Thank you for listening to our Emmanuel Baptist Church podcast sermon series by Pastor Sean Cole. Emmanuel exists to display God's glory, declare God's gospel, and to disciple for God's great commission. If you have any questions about this message or would like more information about our church, you can visit our website at www.ebc-online.org. Now here's Pastor Sean. And so if you remember from last week, our strategy had three key elements. They all start with T, tell, teach, and train. Uh, Last week we looked at tell, which is our evangelism strategy, that we want to be a church where God creates a culture where people are telling the gospel to one another. Yesterday we had a training here at the church how to share the gospel with confidence. And we had about 15 people here, and it was a great time of being equipped. And so we tell the gospel to non-believers who need to be evangelized. So that's the first real issue, and we dealt with that last week. And so if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back online and listen to the sermon on tell. And so today we're going to focus on teach, the second aspect of that strategy. And so last week we asked the question, what's the mission of the church? And there's no ambiguity. Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Roger, can we bring the lights up just a little bit more? The Great Commission involves more than just telling. Now, it does say, go, make disciples, baptize, tell the gospel. But there's also a component in the Great Commission where Jesus also says we are to teach believers to obey all that he has commanded. So the primary reason that we have a teach strategy is because Jesus told us in the Great Commission, we're to teach. But the early church also followed Jesus's mandate in the book of Acts, this command to teach. In Acts 2.42, we see the early church in Jerusalem. They devoted themselves to, what did they devote themselves to? The apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And that word devoted that shows up there in Acts means that they had a passionate pursuit of devoting themselves to the teaching. And so you wonder, why all the teaching in Emmanuel? Why do I stand up here for over 40 minutes each week and and dive into the scriptures? Why do we have growth groups where you dive into the scriptures? Why all this teaching that goes on in Emmanuel? Well, we're just obeying what Jesus told us to do in the Great Commission by teaching, and we're also modeling what the early church did by devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. And so it's important to dive into the scriptures to be taught 
so that you can grow. 2 Peter 3.8 says, but grow, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Okay, if you're supposed to grow, how do you do it? How do you grow? You grow through immersing yourself in the word. The Bereans, not our friends that are right over here, but the actual Bereans in the Bible, Acts 17, 11. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica, these Bereans. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Are you examining the scriptures daily to grow in faith? Russell, our elder, read this earlier in Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell, live in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, we could just stop there this morning and say, okay, we need to teach in Emmanuel. Jesus commanded it in the Great Commission, teach them to observe all that I've commanded. The early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. But what I want us to do this morning is I want us to look at the Apostle Paul and see his ministry methodology and how he did ministry and how teaching was so important to his ministry and to the establishment of those churches. So let's first look at Paul's mandate. What's his mandate? What was Paul mandated to do? What what was Paul's heartbeat? So in your Bibles, if you've got the book of Colossians open, let's turn to chapter 1, and let's read together Colossians 1, 28 through 29. This is Paul's mandate. Him, that is Jesus, we proclaim. Okay, that's tell. We tell people about Jesus. We proclaim Jesus. We preach Jesus, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone, and here's the key, mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works in me. So Paul's desire was that every single person would grow in maturity, that he would present everyone mature in Christ. That was his mandate. But if we go down to chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, we also see what Paul's desire is. So go down to chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, and, and let's hear Paul's heartbeat here. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, notice how Paul starts there. Therefore, as you've received Jesus Christ as Lord, as you've received Christ as Lord, that's the tell strategy. Someone had to tell you about Jesus as Lord and Savior. You believed in Jesus. You became a Christian. Once you became a Christian, Paul says, okay, now you need to walk in Christ. And and so Paul knows that we are visual thinkers and that we need to have our imagination stored. And so Paul could have just said, hey, follow Jesus. But he gives three metaphors, three word pictures 
that his original audience would have been very familiar with in these words that he uses to talk about our relationship with Christ and how we grow. I want to show those to you. So first of all, he gives an agricultural metaphor. Verse 7, rooted. Rooted. In the original language there, it really means deeply rooted. Well rooted in the soil, into to Jesus. You're not just casually connected to Christ, but you're, you've got roots deep down into to Jesus. It reminds me of what Psalm 1 says. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And all he does, he prospers. You're, you've got roots that go deep down into the scriptures and into Christ. You're rooted. But the second metaphor that Paul gives is an architectural metaphor. He says, built up, building imagery. Okay, to have a building, you have to have a foundation first before you can build the building. So Paul says, not only do you need to have these deep roots that go into Christ, but you need to have a solid foundation. You need to be built on the foundation of Jesus and his scriptures, that, that solid foundation, so that as you grow, there'll be a structure there that can be supported by the foundation. What is your foundation? What are you building your life on? If it's other than Jesus and his word, it's just going to come crumbling down. The third analogy, you don't get this quite as much until you study the original language, but the third is a business analogy. He says established in the faith. The word established was used of a legal guarantee, like a title deed, when there was a transfer of property. And what Paul's saying here is that Jesus has bought us. He, he owns us. He, he, he has the title deed to our lives because he bought us with his blood. And therefore, we are to be established in the faith. So Paul says, okay, you need to be rooted, you need to be built up, and you need to be established. But notice what he says there. Did you catch it? Verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you were taught. As you were taught. So someone has to teach you these things. You and I have to be taught how to be rooted, how to be established, how to be built up in Christ and his word. Just as you were taught. So let me just give you a summary statement about this passage of scripture, just to kind of help us think through this. The goal of teaching God's word is for you to grow in maturity in Christ. You and I need to grow in maturity. So we need to ask ourselves some questions. Are you personally deeply rooted in Jesus? Do you have a firm foundation of his word as the center of your life? Are you firmly established in the faith? Are you maturing? Paul says, I teach, I preach so that I may present everyone mature in Christ. That should be your ultimate goal as a Christian is to grow in maturity. 
And so last week we talked about this trajectory of, of moving people to the right, okay? And so, so you may be over here where you're not even a Christian yet, or you may have been a Christian for a little bit of time, or maybe you've been a Christian for 25 years. You never stop growing. Now, you're never going to arrive at the destination until you get into heaven, but you can always grow more deeply into Christ than where you are now. And so one of the goals that we want to do at Emmanuel is to help you grow help you advance, help you mature. And one of the things Paul says is that you've got to be taught. Okay, what was Paul's message? That was Paul's mandate. Paul's mandate is I want every believer to be mature and growing and rooted deeply in Christ. But what was his message? What did Paul use to get people there? What was Paul's message? So turn over a few books to 2 Timothy. So skip First and Second Thessalonians and skip First Timothy and or you can swipe or punch in or however you do it on your device. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, and we're going to go into chapter 4. And so what we see here in 2 Timothy is the basis of Paul's message. Okay, so if Paul's mandate was, listen, every single Christian needs to be growing and maturing in Christ, the question then, okay, what was his message to get people there? How did he get them there? And it's no surprise what the answer is. So let's pick up in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, verse 10. Now he's talking to Timothy. Timothy's his young protege. Timothy's the young pastor at Ephesus. Paul has trained up in the faith. If you remember, Timothy learned the gospel from his mother and his grandmother. So let's pick up in verse 10. You, Timothy, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering that happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. And have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's just go right into chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's the judge, the living, and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. From this passage of Scripture in 2 Timothy, we see a few things about the source of Paul's message. And obviously, it all starts with the Scripture. So the source of teaching in your life and the life of the church is the God-breathed, authoritative Word. You see that in verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by 
God. You go back up into chapter 3 and you look at verse 15, how Timothy was acquainted with the sacred writings. The scripture and the sacred writings that Timothy was acquainted with was the Old Testament at that time because the New Testament was in the process of being written. But notice what Paul says. All, all the written scriptures from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between is God-breathed. Theanustas. Theos, God, pneuma, breath. It's the very breath of God. Now, what does it mean that the scriptures God breathed? What it means is that God supernaturally worked somehow in the hearts and minds of the scripture writers to write exactly what he wanted written down to the very last detail so that what we have is actually God's literal word. It's God breathed. Now, some of your translations may say given by inspiration. All scripture is inspired by God. I don't necessarily have a problem with the term inspired, but it can be kind of confusing because of the way that it's used in our culture. When something's inspired or inspiring, we may have different understandings of what that word means. So we may say Shakespeare got really inspired to write Romeo and Juliet, or Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors got really inspired to win the NBA championship, or you two or whatever your favorite group is got inspired to write that new song. There was, a, there was this inner feeling of inspiration that made me do something. Or, or when I read the Bible, I feel inspired. It's not talking about a feeling of inspiration or, or what you get or, or like the, the scripture writers were just sitting there and somehow these thoughts popped in their head and they got really inspired to write it down. No, what it means is, is that God superintended the entire process so that the final product... What we have written down is the exact word of God. Now, the scripture doesn't tell us how God did this. We have a little bit of insight in 2 Peter. He gives us a little insight into the process of how God did this. 2 Peter 1, 20-21. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture came from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So these men that wrote the scriptures were carried along by the Holy Spirit to write down exactly what God wanted written down. So therefore, the final product, the written scriptures, all of it, is God-breathed. And so this is the source of our teaching. We never want to deviate from the God-breathed word as our source. But yet, I want you to notice something else. The aim of teaching God's word is life transformation, not just doctrinal information. You understand the difference? Sometimes I'm afraid in church life, we spend a lot of time getting information, and it never leads to transformation. In other words, there's a lot of doctrine dumping going on, but not a lot of obedience. So we're not just teaching the Bible so you can win a Bible trivia contest and you can get your head filled with facts. That's important. It's life 
changing. Notice what Paul says to Timothy. Notice what he says there in verse 10. You have followed my teaching. Is that all? What else? My conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Down in verse 16, it says, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. For what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. In other words, Paul saying, Timothy, the Bible is not just for information. It should lead to a total transformation in how you live. Your thoughts, your desires, your ambitions, your hope, your faith, your words, everything about you should radically be transformed by learning the Bible. Hebrews 4.12 says this, The word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is a living word. And it's going to transform your life and not just give you information. So if we have a teaching strategy at Emmanuel that all it does is just gives you information, we're falling short of what the Word is supposed to do. It should always lead to transformation, obedience, a radical change in your life. And notice what Paul says to Timothy in verse 14. But as for you, continue, remain, hold fast in what you have what? What you've learned, which means somebody had to teach it to him. And Paul says, you know who you learned it from. So who did Timothy learn the Bible from? Well, you go back and you find out that his grandmother and his mother were instrumental in childhood in teaching him the gospel. They discipled their young son and grandson at a very early age. They were taught. So, Paul says, my source is the authoritative God-breathed word. It's living and active, and it's not just for information, Timothy. It's, it's to transform your entire life. But Paul also gives a warning there. Here's a third observation. The faithful preaching and teaching of God's word will strengthen the church instead of tickling, itching ears. We're living in a day and age when chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 is a stark reality. Many people do not want to hear the truths of the Bible. They only want to hear what makes them feel good, what makes them comfortable, that doesn't offend it doesn't require repentance. It doesn't require obedience. Just tell me what I want to hear. I don't want to hear the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so I'm going to go listen to somebody that's going to tell me what I want to hear. I'll get teachers around me that will suit my passions and just tell me what I want to hear, and I'm going to listen to false doctrine, and I'm going to wander off into myths. And Paul tells Timothy, listen, preach the word. Don't preach your opinions. Don't preach political speeches. Don't, don't have this pep talk. Don't give little stories. Don't, don't talk about all these, these things that are, that are secondary. Preach the word of God. So, Paul's mandate, everyone mature in Christ. Paul's message, the authoritative God-breathed word, 
What was Paul's method? What was Paul's method? Acts 19, 8 through 10. This is Paul. He entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when they became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So Paul goes into the city. He begins talking to the Jewish people. They get mad. They start persecuting him. Paul says, okay, i got to go find another place to, to meet. So he rents out this teacher's place called the Lecture Hall of Tyrannus. And so Paul takes his believers, and for two straight years, he teaches them every day. And what does verse 10 say? Put verse 10 back up there again, Cindy. It says... This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Now, does that mean that every single person became a Christian? No, but those two years of intense training led to a major impact on a geographic area where everybody heard the word of the Lord. Think about what northeastern Colorado would look like if every single person heard the word of the Lord in a clear and compelling way. Not a false gospel, not a watered-down gospel, but the real gospel. So let me give you a summary statement. We grow in Christ through extended periods of being taught God's word. Two years they were learning God's word. So here's the bottom line. Jesus commanded us to teach. The early church devoted themselves to teaching. Paul took seriously this mandate and said, my goal is to present everyone mature in Christ. And so Paul took the God-breathed scripture and said, this is our source of teaching, not just for information, but for life transformation. And then for two whole years, he spent time daily discipling and equipping these believers who went out and made an impact in a geographic area. So we as elders at Emmanuel want to be faithful to this biblical model that we see Jesus command the early church practice, and Paul do in his ministry. We want to have a teach strategy that moves you along this path of growth. If, we, if, 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 if the desire is for you to mature, then there's got to be a strategy to somehow get you rooted and established and matured. So you need to start asking those questions. Okay, if Jesus said, go teach them to obey all that I've commanded, are you obeying all that Jesus has commanded? Do you know all that Jesus has commanded? Are you rooted and established and grounded in God's word? Do you live under the authority of this God-breathed word in every area of your life? And is it actually producing life transformation? Do you expose yourself to extended periods of being taught God's word? Are you in a context where you can be taught? Not just on Sunday morning but in a smaller group. Let's revisit the early church here for just a moment. Acts 2, 46 through 47. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Do you see two major contexts of the early church? 
of where they met. They met in the temple, Solomon's colonnade. It was the the big group gathering where they gathered. And and remember, 3,000 were added that day. So 3,000 people are gathering for big church, for worship, worship service, where there was the preaching of God's word, where they could gather together like what we're doing right here. But notice what else it says. They broke bread in their homes. Now, 3,000 people can't fit in one home unless it's a big home. So they not only had the large group gatherings, but they had smaller groups where they could devote themselves to the apostles' teaching on a smaller scale in a smaller group. And so here's the point. In order for you to truly grow in Christ, for you to mature You need more than just listening to me preach on a Sunday morning, as important as that is. I'm not downplaying the preaching of God's word, because that is the primary way God grows you. But you need to connect at a deeper level in a smaller context where you can actually be taught God's word. And so there's a lot of ways that can happen. But let me just share with you at Emmanuel, our primary strategy. Now, there's other strategies, but here's our primary strategy and we've had this strategy in place for a long time, but we just need to reintroduce it and let you know that it, it's, it's available to you. It's our growth group strategy, being connected to a growth group. And so let's just ask a few questions. What's a growth group? I had the growth taken out last week, and it wasn't pleasant. I mean, that's what he said in the video. Well, what's a growth group? Let me just give you a definition. A growth group meets regularly. Regularly. This could be every week, every other week, but regularly for Bible study, fellowship, and prayer in order to grow in our relationship with Christ and with each other. Now, usually our growth groups are, they're various sizes, but about 12 to 15 to maybe 18 people in a growth group, in a smaller group. And what you do in that growth group is there's Bible study centered on the Word of God. It's not a therapy group. It's not a discussion group. It's, it's actually studying and opening the Bible and having God-breathed scriptures be our authority. But there's also fellowship where you experience friendships and you have relationships where you can grow with others, where you can learn from others, and you can also, thirdly, pray. You can pray together and give prayer requests. Um, think about how long it would be on a Sunday morning if you say, okay, let's do prayer requests. We'll start over here and we'll go over there. Okay, about three hours later after everybody's given their prayer request. And then, then we got to pray for them about four hours later. So seven hours maybe to get through everybody's prayer request. In a smaller group, you can share those prayer requests and be prayed for. So a growth group is a smaller group of about 12 to 15 to 20-ish where you gather regularly, either especially every week or every other week, for Bible study, prayer, and fellowship. Okay, what happens in a growth group? What are you going to do? Is it going to be uncomfortable? Are they going to ask me to pray out loud? Are they going to ask me to read out loud? Are they going to ask me to bear my soul and tell my deep, dark secrets? Are they going to ask me a deep theological question that I can't answer? I promise you those things won't happen. You're never going to be called upon to read out loud or pray out loud. You can just come and observe and listen and be there. It's not a therapy group where everybody's bearing their souls and, you, and it's kind of overwhelming. It's a place to connect, read the Bible, learn the Bible, meet new friends, and get connected. Now, you will probably develop some deeper relationships over time through that, but it's a great place to meet new people 
and to grow in your understanding of the Bible, and you're not to be expected to bear your soul and read out loud and pray and do all these things. Okay? So, next question. What's the value or benefits? Why be in a growth group? What, what value is it to you? And so, um, every other Tuesday night, we have about 15 to 18, 20-somethings and college students in our home for a Bible study. And we've been doing this for about a year. And so I've asked one of them to come share this morning the benefit of being in our particular growth group, but I think it, it translates to any of our growth groups. So Tyler, would you come this morning? And I'm going to ask him a few questions, and I'm going to use this mic in case there's no feedback from the other. I don't know who's test it. So this is Tyler Barton, and he's been coming ever since we, we first yeah, started. I'm sure you, I don't think it's on, is it? Hello, hello. There we go. You got me? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you can tell I'm not in the 18 to 20-something age, but... Uh, He's been gracious to let me go anyway. So, yeah. so briefly describe, what, what do we do in our growth group? What, what yeah, happens? so as, as Sean said, we meet every other Tuesday, and we meet at Don and Sean's house. And um, Sean's leading us through the book of Philippians. So we sit around his, uh, his living room, and Sean just goes verse by verse and unpacks the, unpacks the book. But he's good. He prepares ahead of time, so he hands out notes, and we go through. But so it is challenging because though he doesn't call on you, he, you know, Sean, being a Bible guy, he gives tons of scripture to back up the themes or, or the context that they're teaching. And then he just leaves it open. Like, if you want to read, you know, one of you guys read. And, you know, that's, that's exposing. So that's, that's um, yeah, it actually does make it more intimate and more uncomfortable. And, but then it's beautiful because it's such an intimate connection. Uh, we actually, he opens up to ask a lot of questions. So it's, it's just unpacking the Bible. Learning, growing, asking questions. Good. So, Tyler, how have you grown personally and relationally? Yeah, so for me personally, because you're asking it, um, in where I'm at in life and through teaching, trying to really unpack the heart, because I know the heart is the heart of the issue, um, just living in a fallen world, right? People have wounded me and it hurts, and then wanting to not feel that pain, I've created all these ways of trying to not uh, feel that again, right? So... So the best way for me to, because I'm I'm, I feel like I'm not theologically illiterate. I can speak Bible, so, but that doesn't mean that's what I believe. That's not, that doesn't mean that's what I truly protect myself with. But you put me in a group of people, in a room, and it's close connection, boy, my heart really starts surfacing what, what I really try and protect myself with, you know. So for me, it's a tool, and it's a God-created tool that's powerful. So when I'm in there, and the season that I'm in, I'm really trying to pay attention to Okay, I feel uncomfortable. I feel unsafe. What am I trying to protect myself with? You know, and then, and then it's so beautiful because I don't feel like it's, I can't just use that tool in and of itself. I can't just sit here because I don't want to, you know, create wrong expectations saying like, man, if you just go to a growth group every other week, you know, the, the walls shake and the Holy Spirit <laughs> comes and it's just the most powerful. Ex- no, like I have to use other tools that he's given. So the beautiful part is as he exposes that stuff to me, then it leads me because I have good teaching to go with an honest, heartfelt connection and prayer to God saying, man, there's fear. There's things here that I'm not, I'm not jiving with you on this type of stuff. And that leads to real growth, right? And then, and then through that, you know, I've dived into conferences and type of stuff. So the great benefit for me right now is, um, one, it's just making me really self-aware because, li- like, I've been fighting darkness with darkness, and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. God gives us these, these things to equip and grow us with, but I have to grab onto them. So for the first time in my life, and, and it's, it's cool through this, is I can actually start to name what the lies are so I can take the power away from them because if I live in them, they're powerful. Do you know what I mean? And then through theological teaching, 
you know, because like at times I try and be open and vulnerable and honest the best I can in the group, and afterwards I get this self-talk and this condemnation that goes through my head, but then then because of good teaching, I'm like, no, like I'm taking that away from you. Like there's no condemnation in God because, you know, you teach on justification. Like I'm not going to give that to you no more, you know what I mean? So there's huge benefit to me for it. So what would you say would be the top two benefits or values of just being in the group that you'd yeah, for people. me, this one right now is just this. God's teaching me to tune in because I've been to a lot of groups where that thing is shallow. Do you know what I mean? But I want to tune into my own heart so he can, he can show me what I truly believe and how to grow. But then as I realize that lies have power, it helps me to tune into other people's hearts, right? So even in our group, group like relationally, have I grown? Yeah, because one of the lies that God's blessed me so well in life with like a few buddies that we're so deep. We don't want secrets, right? Because when you have those, it, it can heap condemnation and guilt. But then I, then I compare. So then I have such a good group of deep friends that I look over here, and at times I'm like, we're not growing. This, this seems shallow, but it's not true. Because, man, in prayer time, these people open up. They'll have you pray for their family, and they'll explain specifics to why. That, that's relational. I'm growing with them. And then, and then now that I understand lies, it's like, man, I can see how they can be attacked through that. or You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm not there yet. I haven't reached out because I'm still growing to say, like, I'm hanging out with these people and encouraging them deeply. But I'll tell you what, like, I can look out and see people who – you know what I mean? I know their names, and I know some stuff about them, and good. if I didn't go to a group, I wouldn't have that. Good. Well, thanks, Tyler. I appreciate yeah, you sharing, sharing. So thank you. So not, not all groups are maybe are as intimate as ours is, because sometimes these um, young people stay at our houses until 9, 9.30 at night, which is fun. Uh, keep staying. I'm not saying you guys have to leave at that time. Uh, so... There's great value in being connected to a growth group. Okay, so I don't want to leave you hanging this morning. How can you get connected to a growth group? Okay? Now, I can't go into detail about all of them, and so in your bulletin there's a list of them, but I want to just briefly announce what they are so you can start thinking. There may be a growth group that fits me. So... Um, on Sunday mornings, and these will be up on the screen as well as if you want to look at your bulletin. On Sunday mornings, we have four growth groups, okay? So Steve Smith's class, they're doing suffering in the sovereignty of God right now. Mickey Dubs, they're going through the book of Romans. Glenn Burden, they're going through the book of 1 Corinthians. Cindy Carey has the women's class, and they're getting ready to start one on contentment here in the near future. Now, let me just talk about the benefit of a Sunday morning growth group. The benefit of a Sunday morning growth group is that we have classes for your children from babies all the way up. That's not babysitting, but it's actually a class. So parents, if you come to a Sunday morning growth group, there's automatic, it's not just child care, it's actually your child is going to be taught and be in their own class. And so those are the Sunday morning growth groups that we have. Monday morning, I teach Nehemiah at 6 o'clock a.m. If you want to be there, it's a men's study on Monday mornings. Uh, Monday nights, every other week, um, at the Mickey and Sherry Dubs' house. If you want to jump in, you can contact Mickey and Sherry at the church office. They're going to get ready to start the book of James. Okay, Tuesday nights, every other week, we've got the college and 20-somethings group at our house. As, as Tyler shared, we're doing Philippians Thursday mornings, there's a women's Bible study. They're doing 1 Corinthians. Andrea Sukup is leading that. Friday nights, every other week at the Adel's home, I think they're continuing through Psalm 119. So there's a bunch of different Bible studies going on. And then there are some once-a-month studies. 
These aren't necessarily weekly or every other week, but once a month. The first Saturday of the month is our women's Bible study. They're doing Elise Fitzpatrick video. The last Monday of the month, my wife leads a home group at, at Dodie's, Dodie Roberts' home, um, Hope When It Hurts. And then this is a women's Bible study. And then the last Saturday of the month, there's the authentic manhood men's study. So what I'm trying to tell you is that there are opportunities galore for you to connect in some type of a growth group to help you grow. And we want you to be aware of what these are. And so here's the bottom line. As elders, we want you to be established, rooted, deep in your faith so that you are growing and you are maturing. How do you get there? Well, Sunday morning is good. It's awesome. It's great. You need to be here on Sunday morning. But you're not going to grow to the extent that God wants you to grow if you're not connected in at some type of smaller group level where you can have those discussions. You can, you can be heard. You can ask questions. You can let your prayer requests be known. You can make friends. You can learn the Bible with others that are there to encourage you and support you and equip you. And so growth groups, would you seriously pray about connecting to one of our growth groups? So let me just leave you with this. This is John 8, 31 through 32. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's what we want to see in Emmanuel. Everybody abiding in the truth so you can be set free. Set free to live the way that God has called you to live in obedience to him. And one of the ways you do that is by growing and connecting with others in a growth group. So would you seriously pray about how God would lead you to connect in one of our growth groups? So let me ask you to bow your heads this morning as we go into a time of prayer. People who are growing. And if we're honest with ourselves, we would look at our lives right now and know that we're not where we need to be. Maybe there's some of us in here that are stagnant. Maybe some that are isolated others that are kind of on the treadmill of kind of just going through the motions. And Lord, you've given us a wonderful opportunity here through Emmanuel to be involved in various different growth groups. And Lord, we know that it's not the growth group that's the answer. It's you and your word that's the answer. The growth group's just a tool. It's just a vehicle. It's just a method to get connected, to, to grow. And so Lord, I pray that you would create a culture here at Emmanuel where we have maximum participation of people growing, rooted, established in the faith through these growth groups, smaller connections, growing and studying the Bible together. Lord, if there's any fear or doubt or miscommunication or, or, or just maybe even busyness that would prevent people from being involved in a growth group, would you just work on their hearts to show them the value and the need to be connected? So, Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Help us to be a church that takes seriously the mandate to teach. Teach the Bible for growth and for life transformation. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.